FYI, and I don't mean fake news, this podcast contains huge spoilers. Hello everybody and welcome, oh wait, I don't normally say hello, I normally say hey. (laughs) <laughs> Welcome to episode. Oh, no. <laughs> the whole episode is damn from the beginning. <laughs> right? But it's episode 362 of the podcast that goes snicked. Hox plus pox equals docs. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. So I'm your host, Jason. And of course, joining me for our, our updated docs coverage. And I will not say that on any future episodes. So don't, don't get used to it. But we have the Escalabros plus one. We have Georgie, Dan, and Ian. Hey, guys. Hello. And first order of business. We have a lot of books to talk about, but it's very, very important. And we say, happy birthday, Dan. Yay. Happy birthday (laughs) to you. (laughs) You miserable bastard. Yes, but, yeah, and I know that according to Twitter, Dan got pretty spoiled. So Ian, you did a great job on on the old birthday celebrations. It looks like so. Well, it is my job. True, true, but not everyone does it as well as that. So <laughs> I'm just obsessive. That's right. <laughs> you made me jealous. All that stuff you got, jeez, right? I was no. like, I want a Gremlins 2 t-shirt. <laughs> it's the best t-shirt ever. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, um, we've not been together in a, a hot minute, according to New Yorkers. And um, we have a lot to talk about today. Uh, by my count, seven comic books, <laughs> oh. <laughs> which, is, which is a lot. So... I'm going to put everybody on the spot. Let's try to keep the synopsises yeah. somewhat brief so that we can spend more time talking about what we liked, didn't like, all that stuff. Um, it's a pledge. Yeah. You break the pledge, then there's a, there's a cost. What's yes. the cost? Um, uh, a piece of your soul. <laughs> I was going to say a finger, but all right. Yeah. Well, uh, you know. There's to give. Souls go higher on the black market than fingers do. <laughs> So, <laughs> maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we have all our number ones. And then because X-Men 2 also came out, we will talk about that as well. Um, and we are going to stick to the Jonathan Hickman approved reading order as we cover these. Um, try. I will try my best, particularly when we're talking about X-Men number one, not to look forward too much. Though I will say number two retrofitted how I read number one a little bit, so I, I probably can't completely avoid that. But um, but I guess we'll talk about that as we get into it. Um, so first up is the newest X Men number one. Yes. 
This is this is me, right? This is yes, me. yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're waiting on you, buddy. <laughs> yep. This is totally going to go well. Um, right. <laughs> That's great. So this is X Men number one, uh, Pax Krakoa, uh, written by the God himself, Jonathan Hickman, uh, the X Men's deity. Um, <laughs> artist is Lennon Francis Yu. We've got um, Jay. Is it Alan Greenland? Alan, Alan Guinan? Guinan, maybe? I would say yeah. probably. Yeah, that sounds bad. Yeah, as Inca and Sunigo as uh, colour artist, uh, Feces Clayton Carl's lower and Tom Mueller on design. And on the front cover, we have the Summers family plus their dog, Wolverine. Um, <laughs> um, pretty standard Lennon Francis Yu uh, configuration of a line yeah. of people going from top to bottom. Right. Um, yeah, I, just real fast, the yeah. Young Guns variant by Marco Caquetto of Magneto in his white suit is awesome. If you guys haven't checked yeah, that out. I haven't seen that. Highly recommend it. Yeah, I saw it on uh, previews. Uh, I look all sad. <laughs> but it's just, it's a, I don't, I'm, nah, cover for me is meh. How about all of you? Yeah, yeah, the main cover, I was like, okay. Yeah, it's yeah. fine. Eh. Yeah, that works. Right. So, um, as we're going real fast, Creepy Xavier is going to show um, Cyclops a load of things. That sounds not ominous <laughs> at all. Um, Storm, and, Storm, and, Storm and Sassy Cyclops in the future are having, well, not the future, now, are having banter. And Cyclops almost gets her killed because he's sassy. Um, Magneto turns up um, to just basically go, hi. I'm in a white suit now. Here's my daughter. All bow to me. Um, and they open a giant door, which has apes inside it, because there's humans in there, and they're all experimenting on themselves. And Magneto's like, I'm going to kill the apes. And then the rest of the team, which is Storm, Polaris, and Cyclops, uh, just looking at tubes. Um, Storm creates from a single flower a teleportal gate to Krakoa for all of the mutants that are imprisoned in these tubes. Then there's a random East of West character turn up. And <laughs> he's, um, she's apparently from the vault. This, uh, this, she literally looks like... Ian's never read East of West. She literally looks like Crow from East of West. <laughs> um, yeah. mm-hmm. And she teleports away like Terminator. Um, all the mutants go happily back to Krakoa. Um, you get a few... You get um, Celia Reyes. Good old Celia Reyes who turned up years ago, and, you know, she's alive now, or she was alive anyway, but she's on Krakoa, so, you know, cameo points for anyone in the background. Magneto is praised <laughs> by... Magneto is praised by, a, by his kingdom. Um, Polaris is like, mm, I'm not buying this Kool-Aid, and Cyclops says, I am, and then we're, we're at the sun, and the humans are like, we should really kill them, because they've killed loads of us, and we're just humans, and we hate people. And Omega Sentinel just opens her head up and closes it for no apparent reason. Um, <laughs> and then back on back on Kakoa, we find out that that Cyclops lives on the moon, um, and is talking to Daddy Daddy Dearest. And then we have like family family shenanigans, um, where everyone is paired up with their Star Jammer appropriate um, ally, or like I don't know. It feels like like kids that have their like appropriate adult next to them. Um, each one gets a, a, a gun or a cooking advice. Jean is made into a housewife. Um, <laughs> um, what the Corsair gets a flower. 
we get a lovely design of uh, co-habitation. Habita- habitation. Wolverine, uh, Cyclops, and Jean's bedrooms all linked together because they're now in a polyamorous relationship. Um, and then we find out that if you squirt green goo on dishes, uh, Krakoa makes them clean. Um, everyone's, su- everyone's super happy. And then we go back to the sun. And evil scientist is like, I'll resurrect my dead husband with the m crystal. Is it m crystal? It looks like an m crystal. It looks like it. It does look like it, yeah. <gasps> the end. Is that the end? That is the end. Yes, that's yeah. the end. Yeah, yeah yes. that was it. Good job. So, I'll go first, because I, I went super quickly. I enjoyed it. Um, the art's a bit scratchy here and there. Visually, <laughs> I think it's... it's a, it's as it's as it's the opening salvo after Hops and Pops. It is a little bit of a step down, but I think I personally have a sort of not a fan of use work anyway. But um, banter wise and um, script wise, there's a lot of wheels spinning, and I loved Family Days at the Summer's House. So I'm all up for that melodrama. I really like this turn in the artwork. Um, I, I don't have a lot of history with you, but I. I really enjoyed the artwork here. It's maybe the color work and shading uh, more than anything, but it felt bright and fun, and I agree on the banter, and it was just like, oh, these are the X-Men. Let's just have some like time with them after this miniseries, and it was nice. I really enjoyed this issue. I had quite an issue with it, unfortunately, because I, I apologize, but the art just... I just can't stand it. Is it is it Storm's, <laughs> is it Storm's weird wooden face and chin on that one page? <laughs> well, that's one of many, yes. <laughs> but it's just, and I had so much of an issue with the art, I couldn't actually enjoy what was going on. It just kept on taking me out of it. That sucks. So it's just like, uh, I tried to enjoy it. It's just the art just took me out completely, unfortunately. Yeah, I like the colour work, though. That's fair I love how they... I, I, I'm going to stop you there and say the colour work's great. And the, the, every time they colour Magneto that way, which they seem to yeah. do every time, because his white is not natural everywhere. <laughs> like it's it's, it's coloured in a way which makes him really like stand out. To be fair, I think almost anyone could draw Magneto and he will be beautiful in that costume. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty nice. Um, so I don't hate you. I think he's... I, I have... Oh, yes, and y'all too. But... um. I think my overall consensus with him is very up and down. Um, I think the, the thing that struck me as a little bit odd, and I, I promised I would try not to do this, and I'm going to do it right away. Um, <laughs> I felt like for a number one coming out of the gate, the art, it's like he saved his better art for the second issue. But, um, but anyway, talking about this one, I think there are some highlights artistically. I like like the page where Scott um, or Cyclops shoots like in the wall and goes over Storm and comes back down to the evil robot. And then you pan to him and he's got like the the blast still coming out of his visor. I thought that was really nice visually. Um, I did enjoy the band tour. Um, the art of Magneto like tearing open the, the floor is pretty good. The idea of Storm like making a rain shower from her hand to grow the Krakoa flower for the gate. That was a pretty nice touch. Um, 
I do agree that this person looked exactly like something out of either East of West or Hickman's um, Infinity Story, but I still thought it was a pretty cool look, especially the one where her and Storm are kneeling together. I thought the contrast of the white and black and then with Storm looked really nice. Um, Yeah, I don't know. it, It seemed a little odd for a number one issue, to immediately kind of go into the family stuff. I did enjoy it. Um, you know, Wolverine wanting a steak rare because he's, you know, an actual Wolverine apparently. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. Him and Vulcan hanging out. I like that Corsair like pushes Cyclops a little bit, but then doesn't try to make him feel bad. He's just like, I'm just asking sincere questions. Do you think this is going to, Turned out okay, but at the end of the day, I trust you because, you know, you're my son. Um, I thought that was nice. Um, I kind of felt like Hepzibah and Rachel had some chemistry, even though I know Hepzibah is technically with Corsair most of the time. But I I felt like that chemistry was nice. Um, The the oft-berated on Twitter panel of of Cable asking Mom for a new gun – that was kind of some of the uglier art in the issue, I thought. I don't know if he really, if I really like his kid cable. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, it was a pretty enjoyable issue. Um, I did, yeah. I, I think overall, I, I'm on board. I, I think it probably picks up for me a little bit in the second issue, which makes me look back and enjoy this maybe more than I did the first read. But um, yeah. The, the overall, a solid opening. I really enjoy that this wasn't like bombastic, um, nothing like life life changing, and that the summers were actually getting along for once. You right. know, it was like, oh, the right. family can be okay, and we can just sort of enjoy these characters interacting for a minute. It's like yes. the, uh, I wouldn't say it's exactly like the classic, like we're gonna play softball in the backyard issue, but it's kind of, it's kind of like, all right, we're just setting. Uh, setting the stage here for, for you know, letting you know who the characters are. And I, I just appreciated that. Yeah, I think what I appreciate about that specifically a lot is Cyclops, or I guess this, I'll, I'll use the data analogy, Scott, is really taking advantage of this kind of fresh start in Krakoa to really, like, proactively try to improve the kind of father he has been. Mm-hmm. And, like, like really shows how much he really truly does love his kids. Obviously, he's, you know, especially in the eighties, made, made a lot of questionable choices. But but really is trying to like like step up and just be a really good dad, a good brother to his like he's just almost like like the idea of Krakoa has allowed him to let his guard down a little bit and not he's still an excellent leader, but that doesn't completely consume him. Like he has room to kind of open up to other parts of himself. And I, I, I really enjoyed that and thought Hickman handled that really well without being like overbearing about it. It's just kind of a subtle shift in his personality a little bit that I really, that I picked up on and really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. I do like the respect that is offered Cyclops after what he's been through by other writers. Like there's a sheer, like there's an actual, like you can tell there's a love there for the character when it's written right um and i just generally thought that hickman manages to nail like not only because 
he clearly watches the 90s X-Men cartoon because Cyclops is a sassy bastard. <laughs> he is so... He, like, he gets that really, like, sort of tone of, like, a semi-serious Scott, but still kind of, like, weirdly tongue-in-cheek about everything. And I just thought it was... Um, it, it's, it's weird because it's... The whole book's about family and different stages of family or different stages of, like, the idea of a, a, a communal family. And um, I, I, I enjoy... That the Scott, the, like everyone else, the Summers family actually get on. Um, there's a few stragglers that should just probably be erased from time, but um, <laughs> and I just, I, I, I think it was nice to see the two main leaders of the X Men, Storm and Cyclops, be like the first X Men you introduced into this new mm-hmm. era. Yeah, yeah, I like that too. And yeah. and obviously they were together and not fighting each other, but there were some vibes of. Um... Oh, the issue where uh, Storm like assumes leadership. The, the I can't remember the number now. Some people are gonna be mad at me. But um, you know the one the the classic cover is Cyclops shooting at Storm when she's depowered, and they fight in the danger room, and she she bests him and takes over the team. But there's there's I think a callback to that, but a very different tone because they're working together side by side, but and fighting robots. But I don't know. It definitely kind of reminded me of that. It was, really it was lovely that. to hear. It was lovely to hear another X Men not turn around to Cyclops and say, "You're a villain. You're a Hitler." <laughs> that they've been doing for the past like ten years or whatever. It right. He was right. He was right. He was always right. <laughs> yeah, I'm thankful that they took the time for the family because I don't know who almost any of them are. <laughs> that, that's actually a good point. That's a very good point. As a person that's new to all of those characters, did, did it help? Yes, especially going forward with the issues later on, I actually knew who was coming and where they were related and what on earth they would even be doing together. <laughs> that's okay. At least it works as yeah. if you want. Awesome. I guess it's time to rape this sucker. All right. <laughs> oh, I, will, I will jump in. I... I was right in between a, a high four and a low five, but I think I'm going to land on five out of six claws. I'm also going to be five out of six. Looking at this again, there are a couple panels that maybe I was just so high on, on the Hickman banter. Uh, it carried me here. There are a couple panels that are, are a bit wonky here, but overall, I, I really enjoy this issue. So um, it's one of the, you know, Hickman issue is one of those rare issues where the, the writing can sort of carry the artwork. Uh, which is which is kind of a rarity, but I feel like he's done that here. I would unfortunately have to go low as two. <gasps> oh, wow. Just, okay. That took me out so much. <laughs> I, I chuckled at some points, but it just nothing landed because of the art for me. You won't be invited back if you keep disagreeing with them. No, <laughs> you're fine. I mean, yeah. I definitely understand that. Cause I'm not there on this issue, but there's lots of comics I've read where... I have hated the art, and it does. Like, it seriously oh, sure. impacts the way you read it. So that's that's a totally fair assessment. I just, I, 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 I sorry to stutter. I think, uh, you know, Jason, myself, and Dan, we've we've been through the the gamut of all the the, the terribleness the last couple of years. <laughs> so even an issue like this still feels like, oh, this is this is nice. Where Ian hasn't had to deal with all that baggage. He doesn't have the baggage. You know, he can look at it maybe. A little bit more truer than we can. (laughs) (laughs) 
and I only have the bliss of truly knowing Hox and Hox. Yes, right, right, exactly. Yeah. That's right, a high right. standard. High standard. <laughs> this is definitely not as good as uh, either of those artists. Agreed. Which... Could you imagine if Pepe de Vaz was... Uh, oh, that would have been... Anyway, anyway yes, for, I will go with Fox. I don't think it's... I, I, I still struggled with the art, but that might be my own personal bias. I'll go with Fox. All right. Sounds good. So we'll see how our our grades go up and down through the episode. So next up is going to be the debut of the new Marauders book. Marauders number one. <clears throat> Marauders number one. Ahoy, mateys. Uh, we have writer Jerry Duggan. We have artist Matteo Loli. Uh, color artist Federico Blee. Letterer VCs Corey Pettit. Woohoo. Woohoo! Uh, design uh, by Tom Muller with a cover by Russell Dodderman and Matthew Wilson. So you know this cover. Uh, <laughs> I enjoy it quite a bit. It's my favorite. It's my favorite cover out of all seven of them. It's uh, oh, okay. my it's second for, favorite. For the listeners out there, it's basically the Marauders team on Kitty's ship, sort of trying defiantly staring into the camera, looking gorgeous because Dodderman and Wilson. <laughs> Look at the hair, hair. This is look at the hair on Storm. That's brilliant. <laughs> Donnerman does do some good hair. Always. If I had one complaint, it would be Not she does old. look a little bit like Jane Foster in the face, but uh, other than that, who Kitty? Or yeah, 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 yeah. I can see that. What are you saying, Ian? I, I slightly actually feel like they all have a little bit of character in there. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's the antithesis of what we just saw. Yes. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it is because it's basically the same format, right? A team exactly shot, everyone standing format. around, but it just has a lot more life to it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I agree. Um, and uh, so, so starting off, we have Storm and Nightcrawler opening a portal and trying to bring some mutants into Krakoa. Katie, or Kitty tries to go in, but the door won't open, and she kind of breaks her nose on the door, and then like, "What's up?" Uh, so that's that's the puzzle. Uh, we have a great uh, design page of, of Kitty's diary after she's stolen a sailboat to try and get to Krakoa, which I thought was really fun and funny. Uh, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I did too. So she makes her way with her pet dragon. She arrives at Krakoa, and she still can't get in the portal. But luckily, there's Bobby, who's uh, who's her friend, despite her being kind of a, a, a jerk to him in his solo series. <laughs> Uh, but uh, this is where I think a lot of this, a lot of great humor moments, where she like turns on this little kid, and there's uh, like a, a nice little like villainous uh, artwork happening. There's <laughs> I love that panel. Yeah, there's there's the part where Iceman says, "I like to meet these top men," which I I don't know if he <laughs> meant it that way or not, but I thought it was funny. <laughs> it was. It was. And then Logan is really happy because Kitty's brought all his his booze and sandwiches and. And, and food and a, a nice little fun fun moment here and uh, we get to see once again uh, the design page of Logan's shopping list and I, I love, love that, that. I yeah. thought that was so great <laughs> I love they call out the, the pomade and he's like don't don't let anyone else know <laughs> <laughs> so funny so um, Iceman's like you gotta chill out kitty have some fun I'm gonna go through this portal um, and then kitty has a, a talk with Emma where she's like, you gotta you know, help out. You look good in red. And then it dawned on me the second time through this, like, oh, she's gonna be the Red King or Red Queen. 
mm-hmm. so the other the other seat on the console, right? Right. Uh, took me a second read to get oh, that. Red herring. Or, or sure, yeah, could be uh, possibly, yeah. And Kitty kind of agrees, and Emma's always trying to get her to grow up uh, a little bit here, which was kind of nice, I guess. They they have an interesting history, to, so to see them sort of reach out and sort of form a bond here is is, is kind of sweet. We cut back to Iceman, who's uh, I guess in in uh, Russia, and dude with a power suit has a suit that erases powers, a power suit that erases powers. Say that five times fast. <laughs> Uh, he comes back, uh, Kitty gets a little drunk on Logan's booze, and then we cut to Bishop in Taiwan, where there's uproar about the, the, the portals. Then cut back to the ship, and they're they're going to go somewhere, and Pyro comes out of the, uh, the, the cabin, because he had stowed away, and we realize it's the Australian one, so hooray for that. Um... They, they make their way to Russia, they have a fight, blah, 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 blah. Um, Kitty just, like, beats up a bunch of fools in some wonderful page, uh, panels here. She implants a gun into the thighs of two different dudes, which was really <laughs> brutal. Yeah, it was. Well, like she, She's a one-man killing machine here, but even though she doesn't kill, and it kind of reminds me, and I'll bring this up later, Remember when she was leading the X-Men and the one dude with, like, a machine gun and a knife came in and was, like, beating up everybody? And it was, yes. like, the hardest thing ever? Uh, yeah, that that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a great another little panel where um, our, our buddy dragon, uh, Lockheed, spits on some dragon fire and then Pyro gets to use dragon fire and he's, like, really happy about it. Like, there's awesome. a lot of these, like, fun, cute, like... Gorgeous moments throughout the book, and Kitty's like, "All right, we will be the Marauders. Let's go!" And uh, the end. And I gotta say, um, I, I I loved X Men One uh, when that came out, but when this this book came out, I think I really fell in love with this new Dawn of, of X series. I was like, uh, "All right, I can get on board with this. This is fun." I feel like it, I haven't read a lot of Duggan, but he got the characters right in in his own way, if that makes sense. And I love that he injects a lot of humor in the book. It uh, it was it was a really nice entry. What did you guys think? I loved, loved it. it. Yeah, me too. Yeah. It was just what could you not like between the art, the writing, just everything. It just goes well so together so well. I mean, helps if I can speak. Uh, and I just I'm glad that it's one of the issues that I decided to buy, and it feels like money well spent. Ooh, yeah, nice. All right, I. I liked it a lot. Um, I think the premise of like kind of being mutant pirates and going and and trying to help mutants and save mutants that either can't get through the gate or are in places that won't let them get through the gate. Like we had the the Russia gate where they're like guarding it and preventing people from leaving the motherland. Um, we had the gate with like they planted some like I don't know almost. Almost just like Predator X light around the gate so that mutants couldn't go there. Um, so the idea that they're going to like help, like um, basically be like the underground railroad for mutants to get to Krakoa, I thought is a brilliant concept um, and plays into the new status quo that we have but in a different way. And I just, I. Yeah, I loved every bit of this. I mean, Kitty was pretty brutal, which you can argue may or may not fit. I think it could, um, but I still really, really enjoyed it. It was great uses of her powers. Um, the scene where she kind of like, 
does like a ballet ballet gymnastics right through the tank and pulls this pins out of the smoke grenade. Like I thought, it just it was awesome. Uh, everything about this book I loved. Um, and they even talk a little bit about you know because uh, was it store was like I don't know about this name, but she's like no no it's okay. Um, <laughs> like all of it just really um, it just all came together. It just it it stuck the landing for sure. It was like a really really fantastic first issue. Love Logan shopping list like Georgie said. Um, just every, everything about this I loved. Then uh, me, yeah. Sorry. Um, I, I don't know what else to say. Um, I like the fact that the, they managed to use a, a panel. They managed to homage the Professor Xavier Jerk panel. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Which, which is great with the Marauders. Um, I think this book does a lot more than X Men One to expand the world view of what Kurokoro means on the stage of the Marvel Universe. Um, whereas Hickman's too busy playing house, this one instantly was like, oh yeah, it has affected everything, and things have changed in different countries. Um, and um, this one feels like it's going to be more about. With the consequences of a mutant nation um, than anywhere else. Um, all the characters sound fantastic. Uh, Bobby wearing flip flops is so much hello. fun. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, and just yeah. being like, oh, whoops, when he's all naked and then just jumps through the portal. Um, like, I like the fact that it's got a little bit of like carry on humor here and there, and like just seeing Logan kick back and. <clears throat> have a shopping list for like his best buddy uh, his first female sidekick um was always nice um it's, it's hard to say like the art artistically i really love it i love the fact that the the panel where she's evil reminds me of um some anime like an anime character yeah yeah same. yeah and um i like the fact that uh lockheed looks really really interesting um because sometimes you can have there's only really one good Lockheed, and that's Alan Davis's Lockheed. But um, <laughs> some, sometimes they, they ignore Lockheed and uh, just draw him as like an outline and colour it in purple. Oh, really? Um, yeah, a lot of artists. And also, Lockheed's nowhere to be found previously in like when she was heading a team for about 100 issues. <laughs> um, but it was nice to see Kitty. It felt like a statement like, no, she isn't useless. I'm sorry what you've read the last two years. She can actually do things. Here's the uses of her powers in combat. Um, and I do I do think that it's nice to have a dissenting for, uh, voice like Storm. And having Storm and Emma, the first two women in, ex-women in her exactly. life, um, being the two counterpoints, one being the, the, the ever-brilliant um, Emma Frost, being like, you need to grow up, you need to be my pawn in my game. And Storm being like, no, nah, no, we we should probably I should probably stay here for uh, moral compassing, um, and I'm a little I, I'm a little um, happy that it is the Australian Pyro just because then they won't have the lazy Iceman uh, keeps having sex with Pyro unless he does anyway. Um, obviously, Pyro. I like Iceman's reaction. I think he looks a little disappointed that it's not. <laughs> I was going to point out that panel. I don't know if it's a disappointment. I think it's just sort of shock and surprise. But I love when he's shocked, like the ice, like yeah, 
stalactites just like jump That's out the of thing. the art has the art has such a visual humor and such yeah. character it feels so like um fluid and what is missing from this book is only one thing and that is literally nightcrawler because i think if any book deserves kurt yeah. i think yeah. this one would would really yeah. fit into this book because like bishop will be an interesting because clearly bishop has been reset from the previous bishop to being slightly less serious than before. Um, it's, really, it's really hard because Bishop gets reset every four issues because um, no one yeah. knows what to do. <laughs> so, you know, um, and I am I am very much looking forward to seeing this uh, move forward. I think it's going to be the most interesting book. I'm actually going to put money on the fact that this may be the best book going forward out of all of them. Uh, consistently compared to the best. <gasps> I feel like I think, be, uh, yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Ian. I kind of cut you off. I know. That was literally all I was saying. You just think I'm right. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I think, yeah, it's going to be, for me, there's maybe three candidates for top book here. And uh, this is definitely one of them. Yeah. Also, it's nostalgia done right. This is nostalgia done right. This is a team handpicked nostalgic reasons for giving a fresh uh, lick of paint and a purpose. Mm-hmm. Like I, the purpose is a big piece of that like having yes. a story that drives them together and forward and is interesting like in the new world that we've set up um is, is a big big piece of that um i did want to point out since we are on the podcast that goes nick on logan's shopping list i also really like that it's not just and hey, these, these are the things i want but the end he's like hey you had an idea when you get here maybe they get to the work from the other like and he's really concerned about Kitty's predicament, so I really enjoyed that too. Yeah, I, I also want to point out he touched on Hickman, not Hickman, Duggan touched on Kitty's sort of penchant for design work, and she designs the uh, the pirate logo for their their flag with a little X on top, and it looks kind of I, I don't know like uh, Pac Man kind of pixelated uh, skull right. work. Yeah, it's <laughs> nice. Yeah, very cool. All right, what do you want to rate this? Does anyone want to first, talk Georgie? about the, um, Does anyone oh, want to talk about the red diamond? I guess. Oh, you didn't go where I thought you were going to go. Um, okay. Where was it going to get? Where, where were you going to go? Well, I I didn't know if we wanted to address, I guess, the most vehement criticism of the book that I saw. Um, well, let's, yeah, talk about, that. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about the red diamonds first. That's that's probably more fun. Um, I think I thought when it came to the Red Diamonds, I thought it was just like Taylor. They're more like signposts for the story here than the story elsewhere. If that makes more sense. I don't know. Right. Yeah, yeah. But um, to jump right into the controversy, yeah, Dom's black, not not like pale brown. <laughs> right, right, right. So, um, so I had a couple of thoughts on that. I don't want to spend a, a long time on it. Um. Obviously, in real life, people of African-American or just African descent have a wide, beautiful, diverse pigmentation. And I think if this was a cast, like a Wakandan book or whatever, there were several African characters or African-American characters and we showed all the different hues. I think that's cool. I think where where it maybe rubbed me a little bit the lo- wrong way, making her so light skinned, was that on a team full of other white people, she also looks pretty white. 
So I, th- I think that is where it maybe gets a little bit different. And, and quits being, oh, we're just celebrating the diversity of skin tone and the culture versus, oh, everyone kind of looks the same, which is yeah. less positive. Yeah, I don't think the artists paid enough attention to it. I don't think it was on their mind that, right. that they right. might be viewed that way. No, I don't think it's malicious at all. I do want to be very clear. I think is is a no. fortunate accident. But, but I would is... also point to the Ian... bishop page because where he's talking to the, the Taiwanese woman, they have almost the exact same skin tone here, right. and so it's it's almost like maybe he doesn't have a lot of of uh, experience. Uh, the artist drawing people like non-white people. Um, so m- maybe that's part of it. But hopefully, it's something they pay attention to moving forward. Right. I'd just like to point something out. If you go to the first page of the issue, Storm's look at darker. Storm. Yeah, she's <laughs> yeah. darker. Like, yeah, she's darker. I think it might be a problem. I think it also might be a problem with coloration, col- colorization, yeah. Yeah. Um, like lighting, because yeah. a lot of the lighting effects here are, are, are always directed at Storm. The white, the white people, quote unquote, white people are pinker. Um, and they don't suffer the same sort of weird distortion. Like in certain panels, Storm is being overbloomed with blue and red and stuff, and mm-hmm. all the all the pale skin people who should be bloomed with red and, and such more. I just I just still because it, it's weird because even on the front cover, um, Storm is is noticeably the the only person of, like the like noticeably lighter than Bishop. Um. So I don't know. Maybe it's just a thing. Hopefully they've corrected it now that it came out pretty much straight away. So I, right. I, I feel like it's something that will be hopefully be corrected because it is because like unfortunately, like Ian said, he didn't notice it when he first read it. But I, if you don't read Storm that often, I suppose you might not. Yeah. Or just I don't know. Yeah, I just I just didn't just didn't see it in my head for some reason. But looking right. there, like um, later on when she's on the boat with Kitty and everyone else going back. It's just, it's quite obvious. Yeah. And it it, it could be a reference thing. I mean, Storm, through her history, has been every shade of brown. So depending (laughs) on, depending on what we looked at, I mean, maybe this is more in line with the issue he looked at last time. I don't know. But I really, I mean, I I do want to emphasize, at least from my perspective, that nothing was done intentionally wrong. And I'm just like, I'm with Dan. I just hope they... They take note, take the criticism, yeah. and fix it going forward. That's, that's all I ask. Agreed. Agreed. Otherwise, I thought the color was really nice in the book. I did, too. I thought it was a beautiful yeah. book. So I, I hate. That's I don't want to end enough. there. So let's, let's end on something more positive for Marauders. What would y'all, y'all grade this bad boy? Uh, I would have to go straight out for six out of six claws. Mm-hmm. Because it was, especially after going from red to this, is. I think I'm just on a bit of a hike now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I may have to give it six out of six claws because it pulled all of the right strings mm-hmm. to puppet me. What about you, Georgie? Mm, it's it's tough. I'm between a five and a six. It I this is I think better than issue uh, X Men issue one, but I don't feel like it's quite. I hate to give something a six right off the bat, you know. <laughs> it's it's a really great issue. Let's I'll give it a very high five, where the X Men number one was more of a lower five. You're fired. <laughs> Jeez. Well, 
No, he's not fired, but he did he did um, prevent the sweep because I'm also going to give it six out of six claws. <laughs> so that's it. I'm going now. <laughs> <laughs> you can't fire me, Dan. I have the actual uh, podcast account, so if I'm fired, the podcast is dead. I'm <laughs> it. Uh, you're not fired. I quit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We all want to uh, move on to Excalibur number one. Yeah. Um. All right. So this one is. Where is it? Oh, written by Teeny Howard, art by Marcus Toe, colors by Eric Arseniega, letters by VCs Corey Pettit, woohoo, and designed by Tom Mueller. Uh, the cover by Mahmoud Azrar and Matthew Wilson is a fantastic cover. Um, it's another kind of team shot where we have uh, Captain Betty Britton or Betsy Britton with her psychic Excalibur sword in the air and the team around her. She's flanked by Jubilee, Gambit, Apocalypse, Someone, and Rogue. <laughs> yes, someone who is not in the book. <laughs> someone who is not in the book. I'm thinking it's probably Richter. Yeah, it's Richter. Okay, all right. But yeah, I like the cover. Um, what do you guys think of the cover? I I like it as well. I like, I like it a lot. The I cover think... is why I picked up the book. Maybe that's a more. I got a book by its cover. Mm. Oh. Yeah, I mean, anytime you can get some Azra art, don't don't uh, look away. Yeah. I think the only thing I, I could have used a little bit clearer color work, but a, a small, a small detail. All right. So um, could I, could I just say something about all of the co- co- covers? Um, and it's to do with the design work of the, 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 lo- the logos. I actually uh-huh. really like every single logo. I think they've done really fun yeah. stuff with it. I do too. I think the book we talk about next, it works the best. But I think all of them yeah, work really well. Agreed. Um, but anyway, before we get to that, Excalibur. Um, I mean, nutshell, uh, Betsy becomes Captain Britain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Uh, also, there's right, some, where do you want to write this? There's a. <laughs> so there's there's Otherworld, which I thought. All right, Dan, I need your help. Um, yeah. So Captain Britain, historically speaking, I thought he was like in charge of like the Omniverse. Is Otherworld yes. like the center of the... They act like he has a lot of tie here. Um, it, 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 it is and it isn't. It's so weird to like... Because like this one's not the one with all the goat people and animal people that run around. Right. And then it's also not the one with like the Tower of Captain Britain car. Um, it's just Camelot. So it makes me feel like it is. It feels more like it's leaning towards the um, Alan Moore stuff, uh, Captain Britain stuff. Oh, um, okay. The Afarian legendy stuff, rather than the than than like sort of the other world that we see in Excalibur or we see in Uncanny X Force or any of that. It changes every time someone wants to use it. Right. That, okay. Yeah. That makes we, sense. Well, in this other world, it is Camelot, but King Arthur is either dead or missing. Uh, Morgana Le Fay is the new queen, and but she has a like a witch scrying pool, but there's like this weird plant in it. She doesn't like it, so she wants to figure out what's going on. Um, 
Back at home, we have some Excalibur Braddock family reunion stuff, which I thought was really nice. Um, with uh, Betsy, Brian, Megan, and uh, 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 Maddie. Is that, that the name of the daughter? I don't remember. I suddenly forgot. But um, anyway, so I, I guess Dan Brian's. So he's not a mutant. He's just Captain Britain. Is that right? Yep. Yep. Okay. yep. So he, obviously he's not not invited to live on Krakoa, but Betsy really wants to get over there. Um, so she's gonna go, and Brian's like, I think it'll be good for you. And so Apocalypse is is wandering around and and making everyone being really like hard line in the sand. You must use my Krakoan name. Um, and he's got his own like room of of different gateways so to like different dimensions and stuff like that but there's this one other world that he can't get through and he's trying to get people to help him but they can't um then there's some witches who end up not in a very good place um that scene kind of brushes off uh quanon or quanon um jamie comes out and he doesn't want to quit taking his ooze bath but eventually he does. Um, more family stuff, which honestly was probably my favorite part, was just the all the Braddock family stuff. Um, then we get Rogue and Gambit. It was nice to see them again doing something. Um, talking about how they might procreate, but I'm not wearing my collar. So I, I don't really know what, <laughs> what we're supposed to land on there. But um, yeah. <laughs> so... But then uh, Jubilee gets called in because she was the last person to see Betsy who has gone missing. And she went through a different way to get to Otherworld with Brian because they got some like distress signal. And turns out that something, something plant stuff. But anyway, uh, Betsy ends up with the amulet and then is able to shut the gate as Brian is turned evil by his service to, to country. Um, and then flowers come through the gate and, and capture Rogue. And, but then because she took the amulet, Betsy gets an awesome uh, costume design as Captain Britain uh, with her new kind of psychic Excalibur sword. And she comes back to Krakoa and says... Let's help Rogue. There is a, a fun scene where Gambit's like, I'm going to kill you, Apocalypse. And he's like, I'd like to see you try. And then he kind of does try, and Apocalypse just grabs his punch. Um, I don't know. I really enjoyed the art. Uh, found the story to be a little all over the place. What did you guys think? Well, we covered um, this on the last episode, so let's not go yes. too long, oh. Dan. Yeah, and, you, and disclaimer, I have intentionally waited to listen to your episode. Okay. So <laughs> But you no, can, uh, I don't I don't want to make y'all beat a dead horse. So if you just want to give really brief thoughts, that is totally fine. You can uh, find out all my thoughts on Excalibur's uh podcast, uh Excalibur's podcast um on Podbean and I I enjoyed it. <laughs> That's <laughs> <what I'm doing. laughs> Yeah, I think I, we've I, both... talked about it ad nauseum. Yeah, I feel like um, for your listeners though, um, I really enjoy the artwork. I think uh, me and Georgie had a little bit of griping with the color work, um, as in like we clash with each other, let alone the, the color work itself. Um, 
I enjoyed it straight away. I like the fact it le- leans into its mysticism. Um, I after reading it three times, I do agree that it's a bit scattershot. Um, but uh, the the family stuff with all of the barracks really works well, and I love I love sagely up his own ass apocalypse. I think that's a great <laughs> um, character beat to go with. I love the fact that um, now it's become in my head a meme that Jubilee is only invited to any team if she's just talked to someone in the last 24 hours. Um, <laughs> I like the fact that Rogue's involved because why not? Um, and when you get Rogue, you get a gambit for free. So, so they're just trying to figure out. So clearly um, Howard is just trying to figure out the, the really, really slim, thin reason Richter shows up. Um, so... And I can't wait to see the he, he, he turns up and helps the team because he buttered Apocalypse's toast. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> Randomly, I did, I, yeah. I did, I did enjoy it. I I will say that I enjoyed the book. It took a couple of times for me to get through to to actually enjoy it. I was really kind of confused, not not in terms of story, but how I felt after the first read. But on positives, Apocalypse is amazing, and his, his costume is is so good. I think. All the costuming here is great. Um, aside from uh, Brian, who looks like really trimmed down, I, I, I miss like the big beefcake, like muscles on muscles on muscles kind of look for him. <laughs> um, but it's there's, there's a lot going on in this book, and I feel like maybe Howard tried to fit too much in. Uh, because just... every other every other series gets cancelled, she so wanted to get every bit of yeah, the story. Maybe. Bit away. <laughs> right. But uh, it's. Uh, Dan and I go into this for a long time, so definitely listen to our, our episode if you want to hear our, our full thoughts. But it's it's an interesting start, and um, I, I wouldn't say it's bad, but I wouldn't say it was like amazing either. Uh, I would say I quite enjoyed it, reading through it. I did find myself asking two questions. One, who is the chick whose hair turned blue? <laughs> I had no idea who that was. How depressing that I do an Excalibur podcast he has never listened to and therefore doesn't know not, doesn't know who Megan is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is Brand why wife. I get to blow out for again. I'm scared. And like, <laughs> I enjoyed quite a few things, but, and much to my own shame here, I didn't realise that was Gambit until I saw him say the word Sherry. Tell, tell, tell. All right. whatever that expression is (laughs) i also sorry i want to point out how nice it is for some of these smaller characters to still get get used uh like trinary is is like apocalypse's secretary in in the not in the like female business secretary sense but more in like the secretary of state sort of sense like (laughs) she's kind of like his his lieutenant almost which i kind of enjoy and I, i liked uh the moment where where Gold Balls shows up. He's like, you know, actually, I want to go by Egg oh. now. And Bessie's like, mm, I don't think we're going to go with that. <laughs> right, because that'll stick. <laughs> that was really funny, too. Mm, I don't think so, no. <laughs> Alrighty, so, then. What, uh, what are we rating this one? I'm I'm going to go with a solid four. That's it. Alright, what about you, Ian? Where'd you land on this one? Difficult. I quite enjoyed it. I'd say five because the family drama is always fun. And I feel like if I didn't have that same issue, if the issue with the art on X Men, it probably would have got the same rating, to be fair. 
but it just I enjoyed it. I didn't and to be fair, Betsy is Captain Britain, what's not to love? Mm, she does look great. And I can't but yep. love the cover. <laughs> All right, Georgie, what'd you give it? This is oh, this is tough. This is like a four. This is like a, a I guess a solid four. It's it's fine. It's there's some potential here. I'm I'm hopeful for the future four. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Um, I was I really like the art. I think I'm gonna let that slide it up to a four and the family stuff. Um, the plot I was not too fussed about, but there's enough. I uh, just good conversation and character work, and the art's good enough. Uh, I'll, I'll land on a, a soft four out of six claws. All right. All right. So next up is New Mutants, which is my favorite cover of the bunch. Ah, New Mutants, written by Jonathan Hickman and someone else. Um, <laughs> I mean, Ed, Ed Brisson. Um, Rodriguez. <laughs> Artist, DC's Travis Lanham as Lanham, uh, Tom Mueller's design, Rodriguez uh, is uh, the overall artist of the front cover, which is lovely. It's fantastic. It's a framed portrait of our new mutants, um, framed with man thing. I assume it's Kokoa, but for some reason it reminds me of the giant man thing. It um, does, yeah. But everyone looks fantastic. It's another top to bottom group shot. But yet again, um, I hope you is watching or listening. Um, character and smiling helps um, make a good fun cover. As I going to say. It looks like and a so, great like, mid-80s movie poster, like a sci-fi adventure sure. movie. It exactly. looks fantastic. Yeah. You know, Reyes is so good. And it does... Like it's definitely Reyes' style, but it feels like there's a hint of Sinkevich in here as well. You know, uh, really he, nice. he does that a lot. He uh, he flirts with Sinkevich fairly mm-hmm. often, and 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 I mean that in the best way possible. That's not a that's not sure, a swipe. sure. Yeah. Um. Right. So we dive into Krakoa, where uh, Wolfsbane is happy that she's no longer in a Rosenberg series and um, <laughs> he uh, meets with uh, Karma who is also happy to no longer be targeted by the same um, writer um, everyone's happy this is literally what I'm going to say ad nauseum is that it's just everyone is joyous um, Mondo yeah. is using Mondo who was never used in Generation X even though he was heavily promoted um, is fusing with Kokoa and all just because Doug wants to fuck about essentially. <laughs> and poor, poor Mondo is possessed by Kukoa and has a really interesting face on his belly and his, and his nipples are eyes. Um, <laughs> and Doug's like, oh, well, that experiment works. Can we just say, Doug Ramsey's costume is just the best New Mutant costume I've seen anyone wear. And his warlock alive has just his arm, because that's just brilliant if that's the case. But anyway, <laughs> um, then we come to the land of nostalgia. <laughs> when there's loads of pods where we have characters from different X-Men, X-Men periods and uh, Roberto and Danny are just like hi we're New Mutants and we're the best New Mutants um, then we have uh, Magic fighting and gonna cut a bitch for some coffee which is just a great scene to have mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and yes. Roberto's just being his wonderful charm himself then they're in space 
because reasons because they want cannonball because yeah what is paradise for roberto than his um ex-lover slash best friend slash bromance that is uh sam um there is no paradise without his cannonball which is a euphemism obviously um <laughs> and inside um the the star ship there's a little nice callback to scott's flower which is now a now a portal and Mondo is happy to have space debt instead of Krako and crap in, in on his. Well, I'm going to say something real quick. Yeah, coffee. It's actually a good callback to Logan's shopping list. It he is. says he wants Doug to make coffee. Oh right, <laughs> oh, yeah. right, right. Oh yeah, nice. Oh Hickman, you can tell the script by Hickman. Um, <laughs> all the callbacks, and um, <laughs> again, because Mondo is nothing but Doug's experiment, our petri dish. He gets Mondo to hollow out his stomach so he can just plant a flower inside it, which is just insane. Um, then uh, there's a gladiatorial combat between Magic and, I forget his name, the dude with the sword that gave Cable the gun. Razor. Raza? Raza. Yeah, I think so. And everyone's just having fun until Raza loses an arm. But it's like that old <laughs> saying. Um, it's all fun in games until you cut your arm off. Yeah. And then they go to uh, a, a, a spaceship where the a spaceship a, a space station where the Sajamas are wanted people on a fantastic poster. Um, then we learn a little bit about the benevolence, and then there's a team meeting, and Sunspot's like, "Let's all stay here." And then everyone teleports, and Sunspot's like, "Oh dear." <laughs> and then he just starts drinking because he's, he's astonishing. And then they steal an egg. The new mutants steal an egg, which is the same thing that the Starjammers were attempting to do. Then they all try and leave, but Magic Magic gets attacked by the Shi'ar and is knocked out so no one can teleport. And then Chamber Chamber lets a blast off, which is very pretty. And I do like the panel. All of these panels are really pretty. And then uh, Sunspot is sat, not sat on the toilet, sat next to a toilet, which is a weird panel. <laughs> um, and he's just having I don't a, think, a I think he's in a like a deck chair, like a. Yeah, it's like the, it's the captain's seat. It what does look like a toilet, though. It does. That's funny. It does. The throne sometimes, you know. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and then, um, as it, uh, he's like, we should go back and save them, and because uh, all of his mates are obviously all the new mutants have been captured, but the stabbing was like, meh. Then he drinks, and then he looks at the looks at us, and as Ian pointed out, he breaks the fourth wall. And is like, yeah, gonna go save them. And uh, that doesn't turn out very well for him either. And then having legal troubles, uh, meet with this space chameleon dude. Um, I wouldn't recommend calling the number. I don't think it's real. Honestly, I just want to point out is the fact that the tagline is justice is blind and so are we. Perfect. (laughs) That's how it is. He's the daredevil of Shi'ar space. Or the Matt Murdock of Shi'ar space. But yes, that was the, um, (laughs) all I can say, the most whimsical... Uh, book I've read in a while and it was brilliant um, very very fun it, it's so fun and just to see um, um, a real uh, an actual we were talking about colouring of characters and actually good because I've been reading um, Uncanny Avengers and they just did like a crossover with, with, with is it American USA Avengers where Roberto was um, the head of and his coloration, his coloration in that is pr- practically tanned white, and it's nice to see him actually appear like black in or 
you know, how he's supposed to be. It, that's that's a pleasant surprise. And that he smiles. It's nice to see characters smile all the way through a book. Yeah. Even if they are going to get shot to death at the end. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you all think of New Mutants? I liked it a lot. Uh, the art was really good. Um... Color work was really good. Uh, some very cool stylized pages, like the one oh, I just had it. I lost it. Um, well, like the one where Danny and Roberto were talking, and it's all just white, like their heads next to each other. That looked really cool and interesting. Uh, you know, talking about Chanowitz and Kavich, the one after. Magic cuts off Raza's arm, and they, they're approaching the space station. We have Corsair's kind of floating head, like busting the panel, was very like classic Sinkavage looking. But that page looks awesome. Um, yeah, so that was that was a lot of fun. Lots of adventure, kind of silly, but not in a detrimental way. In a way that actually enhances the character work and the story. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. There's a whole lot more to say. Just super, super gorgeous. Hickman writing characters like they should be written. It's fun. It's funny. There are, I don't want to say like stakes, stakes, but there's something happening. And like there's an enjoyable bit of of nostalgia and and just like adventure. Um, It was really fun. Like I blew right through this book. It was was like so, so fast. Uh, It was a quick read in in the best sense of the term. Uh, I actually had to basically read it twice because I was in a bit of a bad mood when I read it at first and I was beyond overly critical of it. I told him to read it again. (laughs) (laughs) And thankfully you did because after I actually, you know, wasn't being a moody little Margaret, (laughs) (laughs) uh, I really enjoyed it because at first I was like, oh, the colour, like it feels bland, like the colour. Bland, bland, And like unfinished, I think was the word I used actually. I was wrong and it is beautiful and everything pops in its own special little way and my bloody lord if I didn't like Ileana before I love her now (laughs) (laughs) and my original little on my notes I was going to give it four four out of five but after rereading it I have to put that up to six I would like one annoying little thing which I think is pointless is in the early panel where it's the um, like distant shot of the little city with all the pods. That black box is literally pointless. That black outline. Because I've got giant bloody hours pointing to them. Why is it even there? Yeah, Actually, yeah. I, I get it because I read comics a lot. So I understand why they've done it. But um, yeah, that doesn't but the box, It's like they've already got the indication from the speech bubble. Why do they need the box as well? I think it's um, to focus your eye on... There. Ah, uh, okay. But yeah, maybe yeah, that's the only thing I can criticize it for. I want to point out one other panel. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, it's the page before uh, the page you point out, Jason, um, where Eliana's having the fight, and it's after she's been hit in the nose, and you see her eyes go crazy, and like the the inking and the artwork is kind of bleeding out of her eyes. There feels so Sinkevich right there. We still, yeah. we still online here. Did we yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm sorry, I was flip- I'm trying to find the page. I was flipping pages. Um, yes, yes, it does. 
where where she gets hit by like the handle of the sword in the nose. Yes, yeah. and then the next, yeah. the next panel where she's like freaking out. Yeah, right, right, and you're kind of like, well, obviously, don't hit magic in the nose, but you're also like, <laughs> wow, she, she doesn't quite have a uh, a great handle on her temper, does she? <laughs> no. Although I would like to actually say one quick thing. Where is it? Once I find it, I'm going too far. I think. What, what are you looking for? There we go. Um, after they pick up the egg and the um, space pirates intrude, I just love that the use of exaggeration to make her just screaming, Ileana screaming at them. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Um, what I do, what I do really appreciate is that um, when on Earth, the color palette and the coloration is very um, Earth-based and not as, um, I want to say the word zany, but that's not the right word. Um, and they're very, like, the colours aren't over, overly um, sci-fi, um, but they are very much um, warm and sort of naturalistic and essentially it, it generally feels like a romantic view of Krakoa, like... Um, kind of all of the books do that to Kukura where there's like this beautiful romantic atmosphere in the colour work um, but it's really captured here and then when we go into space I appreciate that he's channeling the colour palette of Star Wars most of yeah, the time well, it's, it's all like laser colours yeah and it's um, really cool and with the you know and I would even argue with the Guardians of the Galaxy and I generally think that his character work his, his character's act um it's a different style. Like I think this is the strongest, easily the strongest art out of all of the books, purely because I think it's so um, authorial uh, compared to the rest, where it's just him. It's just him that's doing inks, colours, and everything. It's just him. And because he has that much control over what he's producing, um, he can create astonishing pictures. Like the one where they just stood around before they collect the eggs and the little blue lights on them. He can, he can really, like put what's in his mind on the page and I think that's a massive benefit um, here. Definitely. Yeah. That's my favourite panel. Alright. I've shown Ian my favourite panel which was um, Robert, Robert, Roberto seeing uh, the ship off on his own holding the air. Oh yeah. And when he smirks at you, the reader on the bottom of that page, he takes a drink of whiskey again. That's yeah. pretty awesome. <laughs> All right, well, Ian gave this six out of six claws. Where did everybody else land? Um, to be honest, I feel like it's a party because I'm so used to reading shit X Men books. I'm just throwing sixes here, there, and everywhere. <laughs> like, you got a six. I'm just gonna give because this right. It's been ages since a comic book has made me smile, grin like a child from the first page to the end. And I forgot how much I enjoy Sunspot as a character. And Hickman understands him in a way that other writers don't sometimes. Isn't he one of Hickman's favorites? It is him yes. and that's why. This entire book is about Hickman getting his other favorite toy from, <laughs> from Spain. That's right. what this is all about. It's his two favorite toys meeting together um, <laughs> and so even that gives it an extra point it gets six for that alone um, <laughs> he has the balls to make that a, that a concept for a book 
How much is your favorite ties to meet again? I wish that was him in the actual like meeting room. Right. <laughs> if that was, then he would have my praise. <laughs> uh, this might be the book that I get. Yeah, I'm going to give this one a six. I feel like our work is definitely the strongest. And and coupled with Hickman's great dialogue and, and fun plotting, it was like easily a six out of six. All right, we're gonna get the sweep this time. I'm also a six out of six. Um, my second favorite book of the bunch. So cool. There you go. All right. Well, <laughs> next up we have X Force number one. All right, I'm gonna try to make this fast because the least time we have to spend on this, the better. Um, <laughs> Writer is Benjamin Percy, artist Joshua Kassara, color artist Dean White, letterer VCs Joe Caramagna, design Tom Muller, cover artist Dustin Weaver. I think this cover is awful. Uh, I, used to, I used to really like Dustin Weaver, like he does some really beautiful stuff. This is not him doing his best work. You know why yeah. I have an issue with this bloody cover though? The fact that the women just like there for sex appeal. Oh dear. Yes, and they all kind of have anime same face going on. Uh, yes. Little, well, Sage kind of... literally only has half a face. Yeah. But the other <laughs> half of the face is just gone. It's not even there. It's like a black hole. If Chamber's jaw goes into, like, energy, like, her her other half of her face is just like a black hole somewhere. Um, to be honest, I, I saw her on the cover just now. I'm like, who's this again? This doesn't look like anybody. Like, who's this supposed yeah. to be? No, I went Dan. I historically really like Dustin Weaver. This is not this is not it. This is not the Dustin Weaver I love. Well his if you thought Come ahead, Dan. His work on Hickman's Avengers is some of the best art in the last like decade, but you wouldn't know that if you saw this. You'd be like, What are you on, Dan? Are you smoking <laughs> something crazy? Well this is not Yeah, I mean if you thought this artwork was bad, wait till we get inside the book because yeah. this is the sloppiest, ugliest. I, I, you know, we read Excalibur and I was like, I don't know, it might be one of the worst, but not that it's bad, but another bunch might be the worst one. And then I read this, I was like, nope, Excalibur's fine. This, this X Works book is just scratchy and it feels like the. The paint has just been like splashed over the the pages carelessly. People's skin have like weird green and brown and purple splotches on them for no reason. Um, you ever <laughs> sometimes your memory plays tricks on you, and I thought this cover was worse. The cover I'm about to talk about was worse than it actually is. But there's a Todd Rundgren uh, album cover. Uh, the book uh, the album's called A Wizard, uh, A True Star, and it looks like a like a a, a drugged out man with like his face sagging and like dripping around. Look up the cover because it feels like the artwork here. It's just like gross and, and ugly and, and bleeding into each other. Um, so yeah, this artwork looks like a bad 70s album cover is, is what I'm saying. <laughs> there's needless okay. like... Oh my god, it does. There's, there's needless motion lines with all the action. You, the, like when Beast is attacked, there's like... There's, the animal that's attacking him has weird color splotches all over him. When they, they rescue Peter, his skin is like brown and purple and green spots for no reason. It's just an ugly, unmanaged, like, like sp- splodge, if that's even a word of artwork that happens here. It, uh, it's awful. 
Uh, <laughs> that's, I feel like also, it's, it's only worth talking about the artwork because it's just such a, a, an eyesore here. Can we just say that, is this set after the Marauders, but they don't have the Marauders boat? They have a tugboat now? Let's, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know, man. That's literally a different boat. It even says in it that they had to steal it. Uh, okay. Because Kitty's clearly just uh, uh, yes, yes. They they took this boat from where they got the people. That's fair then. That's fair. But then, and very very urgently, but they had time to spray paint Kitty Hawk on it. Sure. So uh, story wise, there's some sort of council meeting. They they want to uh, see if everyone has true human blood, but Domino's there and she doesn't, so she's captured. Then on the island, people are getting attacked, and Wolverine's like, "There's a predator." I must hunt. Um, and so he hunts this weird boar thing on the island. We find out that Black Tom still has his plant powers and he's like in charge of defense, but he's terrible at it. And even though <laughs> even though someone is attacking and they realize it, they don't address it for some reason. They're just like, ah, oh, whatever. Um, people are coming, but we're going to wait until they actually do stuff. So people attack the island off. They jump out of a plane and they attack the island and they shoot people. And so this is the other issue that reminded me of that what X-Men Yellow or whatever that Kitty ran where there's a dude with a machine gun. He can take out all the mutants. Look out. And that's what happens here. Three people with machine guns take out like 30 mutants. Uh, I don't understand how this happens. Uh, but they're hunting Professor X and they chase him. And there's incoherent dialogue and, and stuff happens. And then a shock at the end. Professor X has, has been shot in the head. What's going to happen next? The end. It's yeah. I don't want to read this anymore. Can we can we cancel this book? Can like the four of us just cancel this book? <laughs> oh man! Right. Aside from like having Jean Grey in that costume, flying around in a completely different coloured energy field than right? anything else that anything else the book actually has, which is so bizarre. She's like a she's... sticker. A Jean Grey sticker got stuck on a different page. Yeah. <laughs> It's weird that she's been, like, bizarrely... And, like, we know... Well, we think we know that Xavier will just resurrect himself, because that's the whole point. Well, it even and... said in uh, Hawks and Fox that there's three different mutants that can also power Cerebro just in the event that he dies. Yeah. So... And I like that, you know, I didn't think it would come this early, <laughs> his assassination. But much like Georgie says, they're just like brutes. They're just like um, villains you'd fight in the first level of a video game when you're just getting your powers. Um, but they manage to slaughter and outwit Wolverine, Jean Grey, Beast, Sage, and they're everyone. Stormtroopers. Yeah. The fact that like Black Tom Tree Hugger is um, not even like aware enough to do anything about it <coughs> is such a weird. And is even it, when he is, he's literally just disregarding, like, oh, no, it's clearly Domino. Yeah, that was really bizarre. I didn't know if Domino was in the team. It's not very clearly written. If It's like, not, but what they did is actually kind of creepy. Um, so basically, they put Domino's skin on their skin. Like those white strips, that's all like Domino's skin. And that's how they bypassed the Krakoan defenses, is because they were identified as Domino. Because of those little strips of skin. But it kind of proves that like, Black Tom Cassidy clearly isn't in his right mind to actually help anyone. Because if he can't, like, I don't know, it's very bizarre. For me, it just seemed like it, it just seemed odd 
And sometimes, like, I know that you hate the art <clears throat> immensely, Georgie, but I thought some of the colouring on Beast was actually not bad. I love that that's just the only thing I'm going to say about the good, how good the art was. Um, the old... It's not clear that they've taken Domino's skin and, no, like, grafted it onto her. No, like, I, I mean, if you say it, then I'm like, I guess so, but there's nothing in story that leads me to actually believe that's what's happened. <laughs> Because, like, the concept, like I said before, um, I think I talked to Georgie before about this, that conceptually, the idea that there's a secret society of humans that wants to rid, it's like, okay, they've, they've done too much now, we need to get rid of them, makes sense um, in a court of owls sort of way. Um, and that's the thing, the book looks like a third tier bat title. There you go, that's, that's what it reminds me of. It reminds <laughs> me of, like, a red, red sure. hood bat sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, the artwork reminds me of like a an ugly image book, which some people <laughs> like that, and sometimes that's intentional, right? The rough, kind of gross-looking art. Um, the ones I do like, so the the Blam panel with Wolverine, Jean Grey, and and Beast in Shadow's face, that that was kind of a cool panel. Um, I'm with you, Georgie. There's some, or maybe, sorry, I think Dan actually just said it. Um, there's some concepts that aren't bad here, but nothing, sure. nothing is delivered. Like the idea of a secret society, not only hating Krakoa, but actually taking the proactive step of trying to invade it. It's not a bad idea. It looks terrible though. And I think what none of us can get around or or just or we're just refusing to get around whichever way you want to look at it. And there's no way even they even if they do get domino skin and they're able to come in undetected, once they land, they're toast. Maybe they get in a few lucky shots, kill a couple of less formidable mutants, but as soon as that happens, Wolverine, Jean Grey, like they, they carve these guys to pieces. And the fact that they're able to successfully wreck so much havoc just doesn't ring true to who we're we're dealing with which makes me think is it staged right oh am i giving am i giving it too much credit i had thought about that but i mean there's nothing there's not even a hint of how they got on to the island let alone a hint of what else is might be being planned behind the scenes you know if, if that is the case, then it's, this is like playing a video game and you beat the final boss and like, well, actually, I'm the final boss. I've been standing behind the <laughs> curtains the whole time. And you're like, all right, like a fourth, a four-year-old wrote this. You know, there's no, there's no structure here at all. Uh, you what, guys are making me, making me sad because this is the guy that's going to write the uh, solo Wolverine book. Oh, um, oh. <laughs> I can give you that fucking <laughs> <laughs> Unison, dear. Like Benjamin Percy, if I remember correctly, he wrote the most recent Teen Titans, which was um, not good. <laughs> so, what did you think, Ian, as you haven't read any of his stuff before? I regret reading it. Oh my God. Because there's one simple thing, and no matter what I've read, whether I've liked it or not, there's never been anything which made me feel nothing towards it until I read this. <laughs> and literally, no matter what happened, no matter what was put in it, 
There's literally nothing, no investment, no emotional response. I'm it, it, reading that. Just I'm not just been looking at the wall. With, I've got the same response. <sighs> that is bad. That's that's the yeah. worst type of criticism. Because yeah. something's bad, you know it's bad, but you respond to it being bad. I have nothing for this. <laughs> Let's move on to grading it. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's, we yeah. spent so much time already on this one. No, it's definitely, uh, I, since this is a podcast of Ghost Nick, and since this is a guy that's going to write Wolverine, this is definitely a gruffer, survivalist Wolverine. Um, so I can know that that book will also probably be pretty dark in tone. Um, he's the, we can't, we can't be so soft and safe. Um, which that is, I mean, that is Wolverine—the idea that you don't want to let your guard down too much, but definitely going to the other side of that pendulum for sure looks like is what we're doing here. Um, I yes. think being true to what we've just witnessed in House of X or in X Men, I think this Wolverine that we just saw is a total different Wolverine to the guys rolling around with, with, with the kids, playing with children, yeah. drinking right. fun with Kitty, drinking beer, and having like. For free on free sex with whoever he is having sex with, and <laughs> you no, know I mean this does not. When I read this Wolverine, I I generally was like, why is he grumpy again? I thought we were gonna have a refreshing take on Wolverine for once and have him be like a bastion of hope, maybe, as opposed to we have to hunt because hunting because I'm a Wolverine. <laughs> There's always a predator, Dan. Always. <laughs> always. And it's Benjamin Percy. Because <laughs> um, I'll go rating it first. I'm giving it two out of two because it does the one thing that no comic should do. You said two I, out I mean, of two? He did. He, this book is so bad, you lowered the whole scope <laughs> of the scale. Yeah, I broke the scale. Because um, it, it followed, it followed the, the DC Cinematic Universe and went too dark too quickly and too gritty. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's a mud. It's so muddy. Like I'm looking at the final panel, which is probably the most artistically accomplished out of the entire um, 22 pages. And the even Conan then, Conan ad, the ad for the Conan Serpent War. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. Okay. <laughs> but, but even, but even, even the the final shot, which is supposed to be, I know the shock wouldn't be there because we all like, ah, be resurrected. Um, but it's muddy. It's just so muddy. So yeah, two. I'm right there with you. Uh, Two out of six for me. Um, I think a little more execution on the ideas and better art can make this a slightly better book. I don't know if it could save it, but it could at least make it more enjoyable. But the bad art and kind of the unbelievability of some of the action and consequences make this a, a pretty... Pretty muddled two out of six for me. Sorry, I, Ian, I think I jumped on you. Sorry about that. Oh no, it's fine, don't we? I uh I don't want to rate it. If I could I'd rate it zero because <laughs> You can Lord. <laughs> you can rate it zero if you want to. He just said that it's his rule it's podcast as well. Then yes, zero. Eliminate. Literally nothing. You because it bastard because it made me feel <laughs> nothing. It doesn't deserve a rating. <laughs> Wow. I uh, I was gonna give it a two, uh, and then I was like, 
This is really bad. <laughs> <laughs> I might I might end up with a one. Like I went on a rant and I don't go on a rant normally. Uh, so that I think this is a one out of six for me, or one out of two, or however you want to rate it. <laughs> All right. Well, that's X Force. Um, you know, it's, it's funny because I think everyone tried really, really hard to go for an uncanny X Force vibe in the new in the new post Krakoan world, and it just it it failed. Um, all right, well, that's going to take us to our last new book, um, Fallen Angels, number one, uh, which is Peace in Our Time, written by Brian Hill, art by Simone Kordansky, maybe, or maybe Simone, I don't know, um, colors by Frank Diamarda, letters by VCs Joe Sabino, designed again by Tom Mueller, who's definitely the... The quiet, unsung hero of all of these logos and stuff like oh, that. Oh, sure. Really good. Yeah. Um, Ashley Witter, uh, who's been doing some of the late Rest in Peace X-23 covers, does the cover. Um, there's also a, a really rad Pepe LaRoz variant. Um, but the Ashley Witter cover's not bad either. It's, um, it's kind of our three initial main characters, uh, Quannon, Kid Cable and X-23 kind of looking back at the camera. And what what is not going to be, but kind of looks like Madripoor. Um, it's, it's a fine cover. It's fine. What do you guys think? Uh, I I like it, but just something feels a little off about it. I just can't quite put my finger on what it is. And the perspective? Is it Psylocke? <laughs> no, I mean, like, it could be the perspective, but I just like, and it seems to sort of follow through into the comic book until I get used to it. But it just like this feels like there's something just a little bit off about it. <laughs> Weird to say that to can't figure out what it is. I'd like to point out. I'd like to say one thing. A well, two things. A the cover meh. <laughs> to why is she back in her swimsuit bikini thing? I don't know. Because nineties. Hmm. I. Mm. I I've, like I don't like this cover either, but uh, I think it's supposed to be Tokyo because the initial scene with the subway takes place in Tokyo. Um, also, you know, Ian, you point out you can't place it. This feels kind of like Uncanny Valley to me, where it's it's like plastically and kind of CG heading towards like 3D people, but we can tell it's very much not that. It looks like uh, yeah, yeah. I think you've hit it on the head. Yeah, yeah it's, this, this is not good. Uh, I don't know how I feel about the inside artwork, but this this cover is not one of the best. It's pretty forgettable to me. So, so let's uh, let's jump inside. We got a girl with an obvious Psylocke tattoo on the back of her neck, and she has some kind of like um, Bluetooth device that she touches to her head, and she has purple power, and then her eyes bleed. And then she starts killing people on the subway to the effect that she kills the driver and the train and everybody on the train. And it's a disaster of epic proportions in the Tokyo subway. Uh, then we go back to Krakoa where... So so is Quanin, she's taken the Psylocke name, right? You know, she kind of objects to it. And anyway, yeah, she's yeah. meditating 
And she likes purple butterflies, though she eventually likes to cut their wings off, which is kind of weird. But she talks about how the only way she can remember her pain is to remind herself because Kokoro is so nice. But she has some bad dreams still about babies and stuff. And um, she goes to see Magneto because everyone's kind of in mourning because Professor X just got killed. And I guess either... Something's going on. I mean, he hasn't been resurrected yet. So he's like, well, I can't tell you to go follow your vision. But, you know, you should go talk to Mr. Sinister about your vision. And she's like, okay, creepy cryptic guy. Um, I'll go do that. And then so she goes to Bar Sinister, and she talks to Mr. Sinister about her vision and this Apoth guy. And she starts having more visions after they kind of spar a little bit verbally. Um, she's reminded of her daughter. I, as far as I know, this, this is a new rev- plot revelation, right? Yeah. Her having a daughter. Um, so she goes to like, um, I'm guessing this is a, a different uh, Matrix 3 scene where everyone's dancing around the campfire and she notices that Kid Cable and X-23 are not dancing because Apparently, all of All New Wolverine and X-23 didn't happen. <laughs> and Laura's just very broody. I can't be happy. Yeah. I, I'd rather fight than dance. Who's who's Gabby and Jonathan and, and everybody else I hung out with for two years? Um, I don't know. Um, so her and Kid Cable kind of spar. Uh, Psylocke comes and gets them to have tea and says, hey, I have this mission for people that don't really fit in here. I think you guys fit the bill. Um, They go to one of her underworld contacts in Tokyo. They see surveillance video of the subway, which zooms in on the tattoo. And she's like, oh, wait, I had a daughter and they stole her from me. But they let me put a butterfly tattoo on her first because in the future... I would have my body stolen by a telepath who had psychic butterflies that are purple. So I'm, I know that and I'm going to tattoo my baby with that. And, you know, uh, we get a double snicked as, uh, Laura's like, as Cyclone gets pretty mad at her informant, um, because the memories are so painful and she fried in the best panel of the book. When she fries this person's brain, butterflies like escape out the other side of her head. Like, that's actually pretty cool looking. Um, her and X23 clean up the shop a little bit. Uh, Sidewalk in a very kind of sweet scene of of touching Laura's hand, like connects to her on on a level of loss because Laura's definitely dealt with a lot of loss. So they get information from the computer. Um, they go to this address, there's a bunch of kids with bloody eyes or, or dark kind of supernatural X-File eyes, um, and they all die. And the last kid talks and says, I am Apoth, you'll never find me. And he kills that kid too. And then we go back to Krakoa, we cut up some butterflies, and we say, we need more, more misfits on the island of, of mutants, of misfit mutants, to join our team. You can go find them. I'm going to walk into the sunset. The end.
Mm-hmm. I mean, just even listening to you talk about it made me almost doze off. <laughs> <laughs> I had positive things to say, but that recap, I'm like, <laughs> did, I, did I kill it? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, right. So I really like Brian Hill as 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 a writer, and I thought that um, he would bring some of his sort of trademark realism to the book but it kind of rips it to the ground and then buries it essentially and on on, and what my major problem is that the ideas that are being floated um uh aren't bad uh even in paradise there'll be people that aren't right willing to to have paradise or can't have that because they're too broken that's fine um teasing that Sinister wants to fiddle with Cable's genetics is always fun. Um, a human slash something supernatural from a character's past is just blowing shit up and using kids for some reason is tangentially could be interesting. Um, the picking of the characters are fine. It's just when you put it's like so it's like he Brian Hill cut out all of these ideas, then got some Pritt stick or some glue, and he put he, he put too much glue on all of the ideas, and just they just congealed onto a piece of paper, and the paper is now like a brown mess, and it it has no beginning nor end, and then there's like this pseudo philosophical because one of them is from the east, quote unquote the east. We must have this um, butterfly metaphor or like martial arts metaphor. It's hokey spiritualism, which doesn't really ring true. And I despise the fact that she's wearing that ninja outfit. I despise the fact that she would even take the name Psylocke. I cannot believe that Laura's entire past um, since All New Wolverine has been deleted. And I also despise Kid Cable. So it's like a recipe for um, disaster. <laughs> and and then even worse is the art is a different type of muddy in this. Whereas X-Force is like someone vomiting constantly in a room made of glass. So when you look at it, you're like, oh my God, what is that? This is more like someone smearing shit on a wall. And the wall is red. And... You can't really distinguish the colours after that because red and brown don't mix very well. Um, and sometimes, I, like I said to Georgie, I kind of defended it. I felt bad defending it after reading it again. Um, like it was nice to see uh, Psylocke's body as Asian, but much like Georgie says, and he probably will say, there's little distinguishing any of the female characters um, at all. And I think the only reason... Um, I enjoyed any of it was because the sinister dialogue and the Magneto dialogue was good. Right. But other than that, other than that, I've gone on for too long, and I'm, I, yeah, much like the book, I've outstayed my welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Ian, what about you? Uh, I did enjoy it until I realised how bad it was. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! I'm, I'm killing everybody's pleasure. Right. Uh, the standouts for me was there's the talking between uh, Magneto and Mr. Sinister with her. That made me enjoy it. 
There's the nice panel which you mentioned, Jason, about uh, when she gets jabbed in the head and it's butterflies. But to counteract that, there is that god-awful panel in there where the first time she uses a psionic blade is in like, the top left corner. I don't know which page it's on, but my lord, I saw it and I literally shouldn't. The one where she's in Mr. Sinister's lab. Yes, because it's like, what are you going to do to them? Kill them. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that, that, that panel. Yeah, that panel is good. Cool. Oh, just... yeah. It looks like a, uh, a beat-up doll. Exactly. It's just so... It reminds me of, um, like, really badly done animation when they're trying to use 3D and it just... They get the lighting all wrong. Everything goes right. wrong. Just right. Like, why did they make this? And why did it get past the pilot episode? <laughs> what is quite remarkable, not to jump in, is that the um, colour work on Sinister and Magneto is beautiful. Yes. Yet every other piece of the book isn't. That's the only saving grace it has. It's weird. It's a weird. <coughs> I blame the colour purple. Yeah. I enjoyed it. And I enjoyed the little bits and bobs, but I have to agree with Dan, there's no point in it being there. Like, going into the past, I thought, oh, it's nice to know this, but... It doesn't need to be there. It's, uh... Yeah. So, so as a, a hardcore Laura fan, I, I think there's a lot of interesting stories that could be done in this new setting. And even with her having self-doubt and feeling left out, because, well, if we can just keep resurrecting everybody and I'm a clone, what's my idea? You know... I think there's identity stories in wrestling that can really be strong storytelling. But the idea that she's just like, oh, well, I'm not happy because I can't be happy. Like, we're, we've grown past that. And it's and not... Business? This is boring. Right. Because so, yeah, right. that's already been dealt with. Like, I know a bit some problems about the lore which you've read about from... The other one where she's actually in like the Wolverine costume. On you, right? And that was quite nice. The little bits I saw, and I thought it'd be nice to see that. Little did I know I was completely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and I just got Wolverine Mark Two. Yeah, maybe. Great. I got the new version of Wolverine Mark Two, where it's all grumpy and like, if there's prey, there's prey. <laughs> maybe he should join this like, this fallen angels business. There you go. Mm. <laughs> Well, um, I guess you guys have already said just about everything. It's I, I do want to restate what Dan said that I had said, which is that <laughs> <laughs> it, every every female character looks the same, especially when they do all the close ups. I, I couldn't tell who was talking or what was happening or who was fighting. No, they all look kind of vaguely Asian, but not Asian. And uh, I don't know what's going on here. It's it, a little a little behind the scenes. Jason falls on the sword so much with like the books we we assume are going to be bad that end up being bad. <laughs> he will cover. <laughs> so this time, before the, this book had come out, I said, "Jason, I'll cover X Force because you need a break. Why don't you cover something else?" And then Fallen Angels came out, and I didn't say this in our our group chat, <laughs> but I was kind of like, "You know, Jason, your pick, whichever one you feel like covering," because I. <laughs> I still feel like X Force is the worst book, but maybe you didn't. Maybe you would prefer to cover X Force. So, you know, <laughs> moving forward, you just let me know. You, right. you pick well, poison. We can switch it up. Because <laughs> I did well, not I'll enjoy do, this book. 
because I get to do Hickman all the time. So I'll do I'll do the the dregs of society. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, um, let's let's grade this, wrap it up, and move on to a better issue. Sure. Um, I'm between a two and a three. So y'all talk me up or down. What are y'all gonna do? I think it's a confusing hurricane of mess. So. But it's not quite as bad. For some reason, it's still not quite as bad as X-Force right. in my head. I don't think anything right. can be. So, like, <laughs> but it still feels like it lands on a two as well, because it's not better than it. In, in like, it's not as bad, but it doesn't surpass it in any way. It has the same, so it has similar flaws, so it doesn't, it doesn't get to break out and be a three. It stays, it stays with it as a two. They can, they can sit in shame on the two shelf. See, I... how much you so as oh. bad as a three, <gasps> and that is purely because of the panels and the speaking between Magneto and Sinister. Remember, this is the person who, after reading these books, still thinks X Men number one isn't that good. Um, yeah, so. yeah. You gave X Men. <laughs> you really feel like X Men number one is the same level as this? Because that's amazing. I don't, Ian. I want. I want to dissect your. Your brain. I, I wonder if some of your your pathways in your brain aren't connecting correctly. <laughs> well, you're welcome to find out. <laughs> I just warn you, you may regret it. <laughs> I will. Uh, I will give this a two. I give. I give X Force a one. I'll give this a two. I also want to point out uh, that. For some reason, there's just like black backgrounds. Uh, That's just this guy's style. Um, everywhere, it's yeah. like only black. I don't, I don't quite understand, but this it felt. Uh, anyway, uh, go ahead. Oh, y'all didn't really help me at all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm like Ian. I, I enjoy the Magneto kind of self righteousness. I enjoy Mister Sinister's kind of. Morals? What are morals? Uh, that Im- influences all of his dialogue. Um, I don't know. I think as an X-23 fan, there's that extra kind of offense to me. So I'm going to go ahead and do sure. two out of six. Alrighty then. Let's, let's, right. let's go to a happy time. Yes, X-Men number two. So X-Men number two, Summoner, um, is by the same team, and on the front cover, we have a very ugly alien being attacked by um, Cyclops. It was. It took a while then, because I keep looking at Rachel's face, and I'm like, no. Oh, no. All the faces. The bottom, yeah, all, all the, faces. the faces are terrible on this cover. This, this is a bad cover. Yeah. yeah. Scott and Cable and um, Rachel are getting attacked by the tentacles of the same monster. It's hard enough, but anyway. Yeah. I've seen enough headlines to know where this is going. That's a that's an omission. That's a that's a wow. You really admitted a lot there, Ian. was What does everyone else? What do you think of the cover, Georgie? Uh Worst part of the issue. There we go. Right, so as um, we start in, obviously, the summer house, and as Rachel and Cable are looking at the largest lava lamp on Krakoa, <laughs> um, Cyclops 
uh, decides to go, are you bored? Do you want to come on a family trip? We're going to go to an island, and it's the island of Volcano Tentacles. Um, <laughs> and it, for some reason, it's heading towards Krakoa. Well, no, Krakoa is heading towards it, and it's heading towards us, because that's what islands that are alive do. Um, they land on the island. Rachel says, ooh, there's something alien or weird, but there's also something slightly human on this island. Um, and banter ensues for panel after panel after panel as each member of this summer's brigade has something quirky to say until a giant snake penis monster that's out of Ridley Scott's wet dreams attacks a <laughs> black rhino and they destroy it because black rhinos are nice. And then we are inside the lab, the lava because there's another Hickman East of West, possibly someone from the Avengers uh, storyline he created called uh-huh. Summoner Kid. Um, has appeared. All I will say is change his skin colour to blue and you've got someone. Who? The accuser. The accuser. Oh, Ronan the accuser. Oh, Ronan. Yeah, from the movies. Yeah. Yeah. He has the the bleeding ink from his eyes. That's true. And then we have a under this sign a summoner because we need some education on who the hell these people are. Um, And then we have uh, taming of the black rhino um, as Cyclops and co and family ride peacefully until um, our summoner dude is just stood there in the field and he talks in a language they don't understand and Cable, being Cable gives him a grenade because... As a gift. As he's a gift. He's a nice person. People love him. Because slapstick <laughs> comedy. Um, that's true. And then click, boom, the grenade that looks like the Star Wars grenade, the femal detonator, um, explodes and um, our summoner has the most East Easter Ribic panel I have ever seen uh, you draw at the bottom of um, the page. Oh, yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, and then oh. Monsters. Monsters. You just made everywhere. me really disappointed. <laughs> Can you imagine <laughs> Ribic and Hickman doing this book together? Oh, my gosh. I'm glad I don't know who this person is because yeah. it sounds like traumatic. You do. You, you, <laughs> You haven't met you haven't met, you there, I haven't met him. No, because I, I met him at Bobble, but I thought you were there, but you weren't. Um, <laughs> but you need to, to to jump in, Ian, you need to read like the first uh like fifteen issues of the Thor run uh that started I don't know, like six years ago or whatever. Um or, but or, or that, yeah. I, I prefer him doing Thor because it's gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, uh, but, is that what you're Foster? No, no, it, it becomes four, James. Ah, oh, okay. But um, Isad Ribic and Hickman together on Secret Wars, which was gorgeous, and also yes. on Ultimates, which was beautiful. It has that panel I always show you of the Hulk and Reed Richards floating oh, next yeah. year, um, which is a great panel. But anyway, okay. um, yes, all the monsters uh, trying to subdue uh, the Summers family, and um, Cyclops is like, oh, why didn't I think of that thing that, <laughs> that Rachel can do, that all telepaths can do, which is make people learn Krakoan. So they all start speaking Krakoan, and uh, Summoner becomes a little sassy and says that you all sound like screeching monkeys. And um, we should look at the islands, because we should never have fought, because islands are having intercourse now. Uh, <laughs> not just intercourse. Um, they're merging together, and now um, Krakoa has a parasite, um, a really invasive one. Iraq. Is it called Iraq? No, yeah. it's... Akako? Morocco, I think. Oh, yeah. Um, and then later that night, um, a gentleman caller appears to the cinema in the form of Apocalypse, and they um, have a nice little hug. Between yeah. father and son. Yes, father and offspring. 
keeping on the familiar bonds of the Hickman obsession. Yeah. And so we have X Men number two. Or like I, I, what I like to call Ireland's impregnating apocalypse wins all. That's <laughs> <laughs> a good title. It is. Looks <laughs> me dead in the eyes when he said that. I looks me well. dead in the eyes and said that. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, Ian, what did you think of the second one? As you obviously hated the first one with so much passion. Oh, the West. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I haven't read many X-Books. It's true. So, in this defense, but in all honesty, I don't know whether there was something different about the art, but I actually got along with it quite well this time. Yeah. It might just be the fact that I got used to it. <laughs> it's col- it's colored so much better in this book than it is in the other one. All right, because it's not just me being crazy. Then. But, like, I got along with it, and... If it stays like this, I am happily going to read it because I enjoyed the banter between the uh, siblings. And, well, Scott family is fun family. Scott family is fun. Dad, Daddy does the best um, missions, obviously. Yeah. That sounds like porno. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, love. There's so much banter here, but the one I love the most is when they land and Kid Cable's like, oh, that was a tricky bit of landing there, Dad. I'm impressed. And Scott says, <laughs> I've got more hours in a cockpit than I do in therapy, son. And let me tell you, I have done the work. And it's so good. <laughs> it's such a great line. I love it so much. Yeah, that's the thing. You've got plenty of little snippets that you can just take from it and enjoy by itself. Yeah. But it just works so much better to me. And it might just be the fact that I sat here with a knife and seeming hate for the art. <laughs> yeah. But I got along with it and I really enjoyed it. I do like Rolodex of Scott. Um, I just love the fact that this is what X-Men's going to be now. This is Scott having a fun day out with it. Even though Xavier's dead. He's um, <laughs> just going to go have a fun, fun day out with someone. With a friend, a family member, who knows? It kind of does feel like, oh, your mom died? Let me take you out for ice cream. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> But How about then, you, Jason? What did you think? Well, going back to the Xavier death, it does really make me wonder, where was Cyclops during that whole X-Force issue? I guess he was on the moon with, with his dad, maybe. Um, but no, I you know, I alluded to this earlier. I, I struggled with use art a little bit in the first one. I think it's gorgeous in this one. Um, maybe it is a lot to do with the colors, I think. I think it's also just to do with the, the content of what he's drawing. Um Focusing more on some weirder stuff like the black rhino and the aliens and inside the volcano. I think it just suits his style better. Um, sure. Even stuff that's not as like clear or clean. Like I really enjoyed the panel of uh, the summoner like in the distance in the grass and our three summers family members riding on their rhinos towards them. Like, it's kind of a vague, not real detailed page or panel, but it's, it looks really great. Um, yeah, I, I, it's just a huge step up in art, and the story was already there. So I, I loved this issue. I liked it a lot. I think there's enough intrigue with, okay, now we're finally seeing that Apocalypse definitely has like some different motives going on and trying to join his... His two lands, because the summoners from that other land that was lost when Krakoa was formed, like, you know, that was set up during Hawks and Fox. And, um, you know, is he is he helping play into this? And that 
one of his old wars was a summoner's mother. Like there's so there's a little bit of intrigue and kind of the stuff that Hickman really excels at. And I just this this hit all the marks for me. I thought it was really really good. Yeah, so much fun. I mean, the dialogue, wow, the artwork. I, it, it, it is a step up from the first issue, but uh, it still feels uh, the same same style. Maybe you're right, Jason. It's it's the content really does suit uh, Lionel. Use uh, pencils a little bit more here, but uh, I I really enjoyed this. Um, for me, it's X Men, it's Marauders, and it's uh, New Mutants that are the standout of of these new Dawn of X books. Yeah, where the others the others have you know your your mileage may vary, but uh, I really like this issue too here. I think right. it, um, I think X Men Two excels on um, just being well written. Um, some sometimes when you have all of these spinning plates, and Hickman's clearly like going, much like you said, Jason Hickman's clearly going. Well, you know that thing I threw in in House of X and Powers of X. It's in here. I'm 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 doing it now. Um, and I think as of that last issue was about the humans' plan. Now we have apocalypse. So I feel like every time Scott goes on a new adventure, he unwittingly um, ushers in a new tragedy for <laughs> X-Men, which is basically his um, mo anyway. So. Um, <laughs> Is this kind of book going to be Cyclops and company exploring all of Hickman's subplots? Yep, pretty much. <laughs> and then they all, come, they all accumulate with a, a council of Cyclopses. Oh my god, I want a council of cops. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, it's, it, and I am much more on board the arcs. I think it's cleaner here. I think the colour work is what really helps it. Maybe I'm just, maybe the first issue was just a bit too scratchy for me. I don't know. All right. Well, Ian, what do you want to grade X-Men number two? Oof. Considering that it's a massive leap up from the first one, that's going to give it some brownie points in itself. And I did quite enjoy it, so I'll be generous and give it a five. Okay. What about you, Georgie? Uh, this is another five for me. This is really enjoyable. I uh, love this. I, I no, not everything's great, but so far this is this is really quite lovely. Very good. What about you, Mr. Dan? I'm gonna go with five because riding black rhinos is hilarious. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm gonna maybe it's just because we're ending on a high note and I'm feeling good. I'm gonna go ahead and bump mine up to uh, six out of six claws for me. Um, because I gave number one a five and I enjoyed this quite a bit more than number one. Um, I think I, I'm going to go ahead and take that that step. So, Georgie, you already alluded to this a little bit, and you kind of gave a, a selection of what you thought your your better books were. What was, if everyone had to pick a favorite out of these six, what's your favorite Don of X book so far? We And we can kind of track this as we go through. Uh, uh, you mean just as a series? Yeah. yeah like what was your, what, I what's think the for one me it's... You're, you're most excited about? Yeah, I think it's New Mutants uh, has both the, the amazing writing and the, the standout artwork uh, so far. Like, New Mutants is really hit out of the park. 
we we're, we're covering um, Excalibur on our podcast, and we have hinted at covering uh, New Mutants as well. So Dan and I may go into this like in depth on the next yeah. episode. But uh, just it was it was a surprise when it was announced. Then we saw Mondo and um, and Jono on there. We're like, hmm, this is interesting. And then to read it and see just the love pouring out uh, fr- from the creatives on this book, it just really hit me. It's uh, I don't know if like X Men is great. And Marauders is wonderful, but this is just maybe it's it's just hitting everything perfect. Sounds good. What about you, Ian? What what do you think is what's the book you're most excited about out of this bunch? Uh, Marauders, hands down, because out of all of them I've read, that has been the one that is just I've I don't know, smiled, laughed, just enjoyed the most, despite some being better in other ways. It just that just has the, uh, no, the appeal for it for me. That I just that's the one I want to continue. If anything, it was such a fun read. Yeah, it really was. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna echo your sentiments. Ian. I think Marauders is the book that I'm most into, with New Mutants and X Men being close behind. But for me, Marauders was the one that really is like, okay, I'm excited about all of this. So. Yeah, Marauders for me as well. What about you, Dan? Well, obviously, um, I want to see how low X-Force can go. <laughs> um, so I'm excited to see how bad it gets before someone goes, okay, we need to pull the plug on that. Um, it's already on life support. Um, but I would say New Mutants, but there's one thing holding me back, and that's Ed Brisson. Right. And I saw, I saw right. Glob, one of my least favorite mutants in that <laughs> issue. And I know for a fact that the writing duties looks like it um, skips. So one month is him doing the mutants on Earth and the other one is the mutants in space. So I'm like, mm-hmm. so I'm going to enjoy the Hickman bits of it. But will I enjoy Brisson and his weird meta commentary on how he can't be criticised? Um, so <laughs> un- un- unfortunately, it, well, not unfortunately, fortunately, it lands on... Um, Synegrace's team, and that is Marauders, because basically Synegrace created that team um, and never got a book for it. But Marauders was just divine. That was the X book that just went boom. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, I think we're, you know, some some variance in our levels of enjoyment. It sounds like we're pretty pretty consistent on the top two books. So that's that's pretty cool. So. All right, we're, uh, we're going pretty long, so why don't we yeah. go ahead and wrap here. Um, so speaking of covering Excalibur and New Mutants and old issues, uh, Danny and George, why don't, why don't one of you, <laughs> I do that all the time when you're all together. Dan or Georgie, why don't one of y'all uh, talk about Excaliburs for a minute? We released an issue or an episode last week um, where we, we talked about the first uh, new issue of Excalibur. We're kind of wrapping up the... Uh, Wow, boy, the, the cross time caper cross here. Time caper, yeah. a, a few more issues, thank God, because we were in a rough patch for a while. But we cover all these like <laughs> older, like B tier X books, and we love them, even if they're not always perfect. Um, where, where can they find us, Dan? And you can find us on Podbean, just like this podcast at podbean.com forward slash. Uh, uh, I knew this is Snickcast then. I still <laughs> 
And you can find us on Twitter at Excalibur is one and we're everywhere else that you can find things on iTunes and you can type us into Google and go give us a listen because we'll go in ad nauseum about Excalibur, the yeah. one that just <laughs> if you want to know. We'll probably go above and beyond when it comes to new mutants um, as well. So Sounds good. Ian, anything you want to plug? What's your Twitter or anything? Well, if you decide to follow me to your own regret, you can find me on pretty much anything I use with at SSJ Bakura. Sounds good. And I'm just a personal note, very glad that we kind of roped you into being a somewhat regular on the show. I really appreciate your input and your perspective. So thanks again for coming on and, and we're going to keep you until you tell me no. So <laughs> I guess it'll probably be indefinitely. You regret this <laughs> <one>. good. <laughs> It's nice to hear a perspective from someone that doesn't know anything. Because I wouldn't even have thought. Um, I know what you meant there, really, but you can't raise that. that really, really yeah. Well, you did, you did a full stop. You didn't say he doesn't know anything about X Men. You just said someone who doesn't know anything because <laughs> about X Men. <laughs> because it's because I would never have sat there and gone, I don't know any of these people because I've obviously lived with the Summers family for too long. Yeah, half of them need right. to disappear. But... Like generally, I forgot what um his daughter could do. I was like, oh, not much apparently. Right. Still got she still has the most horrible code name. So. Right. Yeah, that's gone. It sounds like so. Um, so yeah, for the podcast that goes knit, of course, uh, Twitter is at snitcast. Uh, you can like the Facebook page. Um, you can find us on Podbean as well, and and any other podcast things, or most of them, I guess. Um, and of course, uh, Facebook shares and retweets are always appreciated. Um, and just again, thank you to. Dan, Georgie, and Ian for coming on and, and making this a a fun blockbuster episode. We'll kind of, I definitely wanted to do all the number ones. Um, we'll kind of see how we want to split this up going forward. Uh, I don't sure. want to make y'all double dip too much, so we may just make some books kind of quick and focus on some other ones. Uh, we can kind of organically fill that out in the next couple of times we get together. But um, as always, a blast to have you guys on. And so much fun! Thank you. Always fun. It is great fun, hence why you can't get rid of me. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, until next time, everybody, hugs and snicks. Bye bye. Bye bye. And snacked.